Well, today we're going to hear a little bit about Jonah, as you got a preview in the, in the kids' moment there that Blake did a good job on. And so, yeah, we're going to look a little bit at a different part of the story. We all know the famous uh, scene where he is swallowed by a big fish, okay, whale, whatever you want to call it. But we're going to see what happens next, okay, what happens with the rest of Jonah's story. So we're going to be uh, hearing from Jonah chapter 3, verse 10, through chapter 4, verse 11. You can follow along in your own Bible or follow the words on the screen as they're behind me when I read. So when God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, God changed his mind about the calamity that he said he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. But this was very displeasing to Jonah, and he became angry. He prayed to the Lord and said, O oh Lord, is not this what I said while I was still in my own country? That is why I fled to Tarshish at the beginning, for I knew that you were a gracious and merciful God, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love, and relenting from punishment. And now, O oh Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. And the Lord said, Is it right for you to be angry? And then Jonah went out of the city and sat east of the city and made a booth for himself there. And he sat under it in the shade, waiting to see what would become of the city. The Lord appointed a bush and made it come over Jonah to give him shade over his head to save him from the discomfort. So Jonah was very happy about the bush. But when dawn came upon the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the bush so that it withered. And when the sun rose, God prepared a sultry east wind... And the sun beat down on the head of Jonah so that he was faint and asked that he might die. He said, it is better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the bush? And he said, yes, angry enough to die. And the Lord said, you're concerned about the bush for which you did not labor, which you did not grow. It came into being in a night and perished in a night. And should I not be concerned about Nineveh, the great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left, and also many animals. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. And so in, in your life, and I know in my life, there are some places that we just don't enjoy being at, okay? For me, I hate being at the line at the post office, okay? That's just one place I do not enjoy being, is standing in line at the post office or getting your driver's license renewed. Those things I do not enjoy, largely because uh, there's always someone in front of me that has a, a big issue that takes forever to solve, and I just need one little thing done. But also, you're, you're not on your time. You're on their time. So it's kind of like, you know, I've got somewhere to go. I'm important. I have places to be, and this is just a waste of my time to go in here and buy postage or send this package or get my driver's license renewed. There's just some things that I just don't enjoy being at. There's also certain towns, okay, that I don't enjoy being at. Some of y'all know this story about me, but I have a, an irrational dislike for the town of Meridian. Sorry for folks who are from Meridian, have family Meridian, but I just happened to get a speeding ticket in Meridian. This, it was all my fault. But I just, you know, every time I drive through Meridian going to Birmingham, I'm like, ah, oh, I'm a Meridian again, you know. But, you know, we have these places in our mind that we just don't enjoy being, There's certain towns that we don't want to go to. There's even certain people that we also don't want to interact with if we don't have to, right? I'm sure there's someone in your neighborhood that if you're walking by their house, you walk by real quickly because you don't want them to come out and talk to you, okay? Or there are certain coworkers or family members or, needless to say, in-laws that you just don't want to necessarily have to be around in life. But guess what? Sometimes you have to be around people that you don't like. Well, in this story here, 
We, when we pick up in this passage here, we pick up that Jonah's a little bitter about something. I don't know if y'all got that from the reading, but he's a little angry at God, okay, for what God has done here. And it's kind of puzzling, you know, if you think about it. But this is what's going on. Uh, there's a big old evil empire called Assyria, okay, for those who know history. There's a massive empire around the... Uh, the Persian area, it conquered many lands, went all the way down from Egypt up to Syria, parts of the Saudi Arabian Peninsula. But this was a growing empire, all right? And the people of, of Israel, the people of Judah, the divided kingdoms were afraid of Assyria. And Assyria would a lot of times play on the divided kingdoms to try to get its way because Assyria had to go through these lands to get to Egypt. They wanted Egypt. But they had to go through Israel and Judah. They wanted Mediterranean ports. So they wanted all that stuff. And here you got two divided kingdoms of God's people standing in the way. Well, the Assyrians ended up conquering the northern kingdom, okay, and took the ten tribes into exile and displaced them, erased them from the map, basically, okay, leaving the two southern tribes down in Judah to see what was happening and to be afraid and to grow and dislike the Assyrians because they were afraid they might be next. They knew some folks in the northern kingdom that were taken to exile and that were treated poorly. I mean, the Assyrians will just wipe your culture from the map, assimilate you into their culture. They will uh, marry off the conquered people to Assyrians so they can mix the families and mix the races and mix the cultures. I mean, they literally just try to wipe it from the map. So you can see, you know, when God called on Jonah to go to Nineveh, the capital of this evil Assyrian empire, okay, and to proclaim to them that they need to turn from their evil ways and repent or they will be destroyed by the hand of God, you could say, you know, he's like, I don't want to go there. I don't want to go to Nineveh. I don't want to play a part in saving the Assyrians from your wrath. I want you to destroy the Assyrians. That would make my day. That would be great, God, if you could just go over there and just take care of their evil ways and run them out of town so we don't have to worry about them or their evil culture, okay? So, you know, Jonah was like, why do you want me to go over there and save them? It's like God calling me to the DMV to go witness the DMV. That's the last place I want to go. God, why are you calling me to go there? And so God called Jonah. And what did Jonah do in the story? We know he turned and he ran, right? And that's what a lot of us will do. A lot of times when we are nudged or being pushed or called to go do something that's outside our comfort zone or that we don't want to go and just plainly do, we just don't want to do it, we come up with excuses, right? That's our way of running away from it. God, I, I can't speak real well. Why am I going to give my testimony to this group of people? I, I can't do that. I'm not that great. There's, surely there's someone else you can send to share their testimony to this group of people. Or, or God, I really don't want to go over there and, and help out these people who are struggling with whatever that is, whether they might need food or clothing or something done at their home and they can't do it or whatever. You know, like, I don't really want to go do that for them, God. I, 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 someone's more gifted can do that. So we use our excuse for whatever we feel a nudge to do we use our excuses to run away from God's calling. That's, that's our way of running away, is that we, we come up with excuses. That there's someone better, or, no, that's not me, or, no, I'm not hearing this correctly. You know, I'm not, no, this is not what I'm being called to do. I'm, I'm misinterpreting what God wants me to do, so I'm not going to do anything. We do that a lot. Well, Jonah did not want to go to Nineveh. He did not want to tell them to repent, so he ran. And God has a sense of humor, okay? When you read Jonah, 
you kind of got to laugh at Jonah and all what happens to him. And so Jonah, what happens? He gets swallowed by a big fish in a, when he's on a boat. I mean, come on now, a big fish. Who saw that coming, all right? And in there, in this dark area, he has to think and he has to contemplate and he has to determine that, yes, I need to go to Nineveh and tell them to repent. And so that's what he did. He, he told them to repent. And guess what? He didn't think they were going to do it. But guess what they did? They repented. They put on sackcloth. And they admitted that they were doing things as pleasing to God. And so it's in this moment here where we pick up with this verse 10 of chapter 3. That's why it's included. It's so important that we know the context. It says, When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, God changed his mind about the calamity that he had said he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. People get a little nervous when God changes his mind, you know? Can God not do what he set out to do? But yet, our God is a God who created us to have free will. And so, with a creation that has the ability to change, I think our God is big enough and can change too. And so, what he had laid out for this town, this capital city of this big evil empire was destruction, but yet he gave them a chance. He sent his prophet Jonah to go preach to them. And guess what? They listened. And you would think any good preacher would be excited when after they preached a sermon, the whole entire congregation dedicated their life to Christ. They repented from their sins, praying at the altar. He passed the offering plates around three times. Everybody's so excited. You know, you think a preacher would be all about that. And feeling good about their calling and answering what God has told them to do. But not Jonah. Because remember, the Assyrians were bad people. Especially in the eyes of Jonah. And he wanted them to be punished. He wanted them to be destroyed because he did not like them. So he was angry. And so this is where we get to this point here where you get to Jonah's anger. You get to him complaining. He complains a lot. And so when he saw that God did not bring the destruction, it says here in verse 1 of chapter 4, but this was very displeasing to Jonah, and he became angry. He got mad. He got mad that God didn't destroy them. He got mad because they repented. That's a little backwards, don't you think? But yet he was angry. And he became angry to God. And God allows us to be angry with him. As I said earlier, he's a big God. He created our emotions when we're created in his image. And so sometimes we get angry and sometimes we get angry with God. But you know what that says about us and what it says about Jonah here when he gets angry with God? That means he's in a relationship with God. To be angry with somebody means it's usually someone you have a relationship with. And so Jonah has a deep relationship to God. And right now, he feels angry. He prayed to the Lord and said, O oh Lord, is not this what I said while I was still in my own country? That is why I fled to Tarshish at the beginning. For I knew that you are a gracious and merciful God, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love, and relenting from punishment. And now, O oh Lord, please take my life for me, for it is better for me to die than to live. And you see here, Jonah knew that God was a loving God. 
a merciful God, because of his relationship to God, and to God's fulfilling his promises in the, of the past, he knew God to be a good God. And so he knew from the onset that if God wanted him to go to Nineveh, to have them repent of their ways, that there's a possibility that this was going to happen and that God was going to spare them the pain and destruction that they deserved because he's a merciful God. But that's true for us. You know, you fast forward to Jesus and what he did for us on the cross because our penalty was to be on the cross. Jesus didn't have to go to the cross, but he did for our sake because he loved us. And because of the price he paid, even though we deserved that pain, God spared us from that. God spared us from what we deserve because he loves us. And even back in the Old Testament days of Jonah, Jonah knew too, even before Jesus was on the scene, that God was a merciful and gracious God. And he knew that there's a possibility that those in Nineveh would not face the destruction if they repented. And so the Lord asked him, is it right for you to be angry? You know, the Lord asks us questions for us to reveal what's going on inside. He does this throughout Scripture. Go back to Genesis and to the garden. When Adam and Eve, they ate of the forbidden fruit and their eyes were opened. And they saw that they were unclothed and they became ashamed and they hid and so in the cool of the evening when God came to walk with his creation as he normally does, they were hiding and he asked them, where are you? Who told you you were unclothed? What is this you have done? He knew, but he was asking so they can then understand what they were feeling and what they have done. Just with Cain and Abel, where is Abel, your brother, what have you done? God knew that Cain killed Abel. But he had to get Cain to realize his mistakes by asking him the question. And then it says here, remember Jesus in the garden before he was handed over. When Judas gave him the kiss so the guards knew who Jesus was, he says, Are you betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? He knew Judas was going to betray him, but he asked the question so Judas could understand the full extent of what he was doing. So here God is asking again, Jonah... Is it right for you to be angry? He's trying to get Jonah like, why are you so mad? Why are you mad at me? Why do you want to die over the fact that your enemies were saved? Whose right do you have to be so angry? So Jonah then went out of the city, sat down east of the city and made a booth for himself there, sat under the shade waiting to see what happened to the city. He still would, was kind of watching, hoping that they would still uh, get punished, that they would get what he thought they deserved. And so he sat and he watched and stewed. And then God, what did he do? He grew a bush to cover him, to provide him some comfort. And then this made Jonah very happy. But then when dawn came, and the next day he appointed a worm that attacked the bush, so then it withered. And when the sun rose, God prepared a sultry east wind, and the sun beat down on his head. So Jonah was faint, and he asked that he might die. And he said, is it better for me to die than to live? You see, here again, God provides, and then God takes away. God's in control. And what God does, sometimes we don't understand we don't understand, and when that happens, sometimes we get angry with God. 
And Jonah, God is teaching him here with these objects, with these worms and bushes, and even with the fish, he's using non-human things here to teach Jonah a lesson. God can use all of his resources, all the tools at his disposal to teach us a lesson. And here he was showing him about the bush and saying, look, you didn't create the bush and you didn't make it go away. Why is this a concern of yours? Just like this city. I told you to go and preach to the city. What happens to them, it's only for them. Why does this concern you? Why are you so angry? And so we're sitting here listening to this story and it just, it kind of just abruptly leaves us with this moment, you know, of God talking to Jonah, showing him, you know, what, what is happening here to these people is concern of God's. Don't worry about their destruction. Let me take care of that. I think for us, when we see this, we can see ourselves in Jonah a lot, if we want to be honest. Because sometimes we get angry in our own lives. Sometimes we don't understand why the individuals we don't like, or even go a step further, are enemies. Why sometimes God seems to spare them. You know, eye for an eye, right? They should get what they deserve. Karma, right? But those are not Christian principles. The karma is not a Christian principle, okay? Eye for an eye is an old law now that has been fulfilled through Jesus Christ's sacrifice. So what we are called to be now is that we are called to be people of Christ. And so what did Jesus do? What would have Jesus done in this situation? Well, he would have done what God called him to do as he did, but then he would have also would have loved his enemy. Even though he didn't agree with what his enemy was doing, he still loved his enemy. And I think in our own lives, sometimes we have to let go of things. We have to let go of this anger and what we feel like should happen to those that we don't like. And just forgive them. There's probably a group of people or an individual in your life that probably needs forgiveness. Now, the question is, what is forgiveness, though? And what purpose does it serve? Well, forgiveness is not necessarily for the other person you're forgiving, because they may not even ask for forgiveness, but yet you still need to forgive them. Forgiveness is not for them, but it is for you. It is for you to be freed of the bondage of the, of the hate, the anger, all that goes along with it. When you forgive someone or a group of people, you release their hold on you. You release the burdens, and the baggage that comes with it, even though they may not ask for that forgiveness, it's not really for them. It's for you. And I know sometimes when we have to let go of things, it takes time. It takes time to process the hurt. It takes time to process the pain. I mean, Jonah just, you know, the Assyrians just obliterated the, the northern kingdom. People that they knew. People died. And that would have been really hard to forgive them. But the Assyrians weren't asking for Jonah's forgiveness. But he needed to forgive them for his sake. To release himself of this anger that was so strong that he had rather have died than live and see them forgiven. And so I think for ourselves and our lives, when we forgive, we release ourselves that the anger and the hate holds on us. It frees us. It allows us to be who we truly are created to be. 
Just as love is not a feeling, it is a choice, it is an action. It's that agape love we talked about. And so when you forgive, you are choosing to forgive, even though you don't, you don't wipe away the pain they caused and forget it. It doesn't mean you have to go back in relationship with whoever harmed you. Sometimes it's good to not be in that relationship, but yet you still can forgive and release yourself of holding on to that pain and that anger. And so I think for us, when we see this, Jonah could not forgive them. He could not let go of his anger. And God was trying to teach him to let go of the anger. What happens to Nineveh is concern of God's, not his. He's done his job. He preached, and he's done what he was supposed to do. He needs to release himself from this anger. And when we do that, and when people see us forgive and release this anger and this bitterness that holds on to us and cycles through us, on days on end, when people see that, and when they see that you're releasing it and you're a changed individual, they begin to see the work of Christ in you. They begin to see the love of Christ lived out in you. You become that example for them. And a lot of times when we forgive, we need the help of Christ. We need God's help. We need to lean on him and hand it to him. And so I think the big message and takeaway for us here is that when we forgive, it lifts, it lifts up Christ. It highlights the goodness of God when we release ourselves and forgive, when we let go of that anger in our lives, when we, when we show the world what it means to love, even to love your enemy. And so I think today's message is that. I think we are called to not necessarily be like Jonah and hold on to the anger, whatever that anger is in your life, but we're called to release it through forgiveness. And when we do that, people see the work of God in us. You know, as I said, this is a good story. It is an interesting story, and I think a lot of us get lost in the fact that he's just swallowed up by the fish, right? And that's just what we all know that Jonah is. But it's so much more than that. So much deeper than that. And so, yes, we're going to be called to go places and do things we don't want to do. We are called to love people who have hurt us so. But yet, when we go to these places and not run and not make excuses, and when we release ourselves from this anger and hate and love our neighbor and love our enemy, God is glorified. So may God be glorified in your life this week. May what we do as a church glorify God. May we release the things that hold us back. And may we live in his love and share his love to the world. Let's pray.